Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. And we're talking about a brand new series. I'm just kidding. We're talking about blood relatives again. Sorry, not sorry. Can't stop, won't stop. It's all relative. Come see, come saw. Oh, boy. We're just going to, all of them, just roll through them. Okay. Je ne sais quoi. Or she's just going to keep going. Okay. This is Blood Relatives Season 4, Episode 1, Fresh Air. Get it? Yes. But air is spelled differently. Yes. Air is spelled H-E-I-R. Yeah. As in heiress. Anytime there's an air on Blood Relatives, it's bad. Like, I just think all airs, it's just bad. I don't know what constitutes an heir, like how much money if there's a level, but whatever it is, it always ends in murder. I'm just going to blanket statement that. Yeah. Okay. So in this blood relative's fresh air, we start off a well-heeled attorney, his partners in life and in law, as in law practice, by the way, and his three adult daughters are all living the American dream in the posh part of Houston. We're in this fancy part of Houston with a very fancy lawyer and very pretty adult daughters. These are not young girls. You know what I smell? Money. I smell an enclave coming up. You are so right. We're going to get to an enclave. Where are, is it soon? It's later, actually. It's way later in the episode. Yeah, but I was still dramatically excited. I don't have a lot going on right now. So when I hear the word enclave, I'm giddy, especially with a new adjective in front of it that's not Tony. I'm very excited. We should probably start a restaurant or restaurant slash bar called the Tony Enclave or Tony Enclaves. <gasps> and it's got like yes. a mascot and his name's Tony. Yes. And he's like maybe got brass knuckles. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We we need to workshop <laughs> some stuff. Okay. It's a different kind of a. That's very different than the Tony Enclaves on Dateline. But see, that's the clever part. It's a. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways, this well-heeled attorney and his family are all having drinks and snacks in a swanky outdoor veranda when we open. But as we know in Blood Relatives, something is about to go terribly, terribly wrong with this seemingly perfect, beautiful family. We get very quick shots of gunfire, a forensic guy, kids hiding under a tent, something, we don't know what. And unfortunately, trigger warning, too late. A giant hairy tarantula... Yeah. As Brenda Strong tells us, it's a very nearly perfect crime until somebody falls head over heels into handcuffs. That's not accurate, actually. It's oh, not. Oh, actually, yeah, I guess it is. Okay, that's applicable. So kind I thought, of. It's kind of a stretch. Well, I thought this was a love episode. Head over heels yeah. into handcuffs. I was like, right. okay, so this is an affairs episode. I'm not going to say it's not, but it's not. And then- right. I will say, if you're looking for a theme in this episode, the theme is play on words. Because yeah, it's not even so much play on words, but expressions over actual literal things happening that match the expression. And so so it's supposed to be very clever. If you're wondering why something is here, it's because of the line that Brenda Strong is about to say 30 seconds later. And then we get a few items, which is why I chose this episode, that have no bearing on what's Mm -hmm. happening and will need to be discussed Mm -hmm. later on. Um, Mm -hmm. But the spider, the hairy tarantula is our creature, unfortunately. I will say Katie asked me for my approval. I I okayed it because she said it was not gratuitous. It's not. Only to find out 
It is extremely gratuitous. In the beginning. It is the Playboy centerfold version of tarantula shots where you can see every individual hair. And I didn't sleep at all last night. Here's the deal. It's about halfway. We we get much less. But I have a trick for you, and we're going to get to it in a second. So I may have I may be able to help you with this. I I had some trauma. I asked. There was trauma. I asked. You did ask, and I agreed. But I probably should have known. So at this point, after the head over heels into handcuffs, which here's the deal. What you were saying about the play on words, I have a feeling the head over heels is because she starts the episode with a well-heeled attorney. Oh, yeah, that's possible. I mean, it's that much in this episode that we could just be hearkening back to four sentences before, literally. Was it when we see a horse figurine fall to the ground? This is next. During falling head over heels? So she says this, we see a small porcelain pony fall onto a tile floor. Somehow it doesn't break. Yeah, was I, it made of rubber? I don't understand. They're very clearly China. What kind of magic I'm rubber, your glue floor did they install? And why is that technology not available to all of us? Also, I feel like those are going to be a lot more important than they are. And they're not, but they are a symbol of something. So we'll- No, no one has a horse. Like I thought since they're fancy rich heirs, maybe we'd see someone riding an actual horse. And they're in Texas. No. And they're in Texas. Nay. Yeah. Nay. Nay. A horse. So our scary opening shot is bubbles in a lake. You know how they like to freak us out at first? Yeah, way too many bubbles. It's the scary, like, grayscale tones. It's never in color yet. Uh, Bubbles in a lake. It looks like somebody's drowning because we see two people running towards where the bubbles are coming up in the lake. But of course not. It's a fake out. Yeah, every time. And it's foreboding music every time. So Mm -hmm. it happens again in the kitchen scenes always when something turns bloody or in this case turns whack. Anyways, so you see ladies running towards the water and you think they're going to save the drowning person, but they're not because they're all three rich sisters. Then they're just going to go for what I think is a normal swim in the lake. Um, Straight away, they're all in red. Speaking of gratuitous. Yeah. They are all in red. The color of the episode is red. It plays the whole time red for filth. Kimberly, <laughs> are you ready for me? No. Oh, dang it. Okay. Anyways, we see a red bra and underwear come off, which is K-Scandalique immediately. Um, and apparently, I'm sorry, the sisters are skinny dipping in the dirty lake. Is that normal? I don't have sisters. Is that something sisters do? Grown up sisters? No. I have body shame, so I am skinny dipping in front of no one, let alone a relative. I have sisters, but I would not skinny dip in front of them under any circumstances. Yeah, it seems weird, but it's something they've been doing since they were kids, which makes it okay. I'm all for body freedom. I feel like body people acceptance. would be okay with that. But I there was more the fact that I don't trust a lake. I haven't I'm not a lake person. We've discussed it. I haven't been around lakes. Yeah. I don't know about a lake. You love a lake. But I would not have I love a lake. I don't know why, because you're definitely getting a guppy. That's what I mean. I would not want my parts exposed. Eels. I don't know what happens in a lake. I don't know. I would just, I would think twice. But they're not. They're free and they're rich. So they do what they like. Uh, We see They can afford all the antibiotics. Exactly. Just just like a full shot right after they get out Mm -hmm. of the lake. Mom Virginia 
we see, and she has organized this big last hurrah at what we find out where we are, which is the Campbell family lake house. And they're going to sell the lake house. So this is their big final brouhaha. Brenda says at this point that the place is crawling with family members. And so Kimberly, we know what we're going to see at this point. And what is it? A tarantula crawling. Over what? Over a, a underwear? Correct. A bra? Correct. Um, but also, it begs the question, it's crawling with family members and you're skinny dipping? It's a really good point. I don't understand. Is this something that Texans do? Why did it need to be on the underwear? Why couldn't we just have had it on the shirt or on a pair of jeans? <laughs> it makes it like kind of <laughs> worse. But so here's the deal. The spider that's crawling on the underwear, his name is Orville. I've decided to give him a name to make him a little less scary. To make him less so scary. So what I want you to do is when you think about Orville, I want you to think about him with maybe a top hat or a bow tie or Yeah, like a there cane. is a tarantula on Best Fiends that has a top hat and he's kind of cute, but it's still very hard for me. Okay, well, we're just going to call him Orville for the rest of the episode instead of the, the scary hairy tarantula. I feel like he would appreciate that. I do love that. popcorn. See? It's all good. Um, it's not okay that he's hanging out in girls' underwear, but that's, the you know. No, he's a pervert. He's a scamp. Patriarch Jim Campbell is a well-to-do personal injury attorney. He was well-known in the area. He was good at his job. But to put it nicely, he's an unorthodox kind of attorney and a real fighter. Apparently, he would pull some very serious stunts in court. So his friends just called him Dirty Jim. If that's your nickname... You got to just reevaluate. You're a thief, right? He, you're a thief. He looks like a personal injury attorney that would be on a billboard. I couldn't he figure out the teeth. which one was Jim right away. He has I had the a hair. St- I struggled. He's the blonde. He with is the teeth, but he's not in red. The brother is in red. The brother, his mm-hmm. brother, is in red, and his brother looks like the guy with the red stapler from Office Space a little bit to me. Yeah, yeah, the guy who jumps to conclusions. Yeah, he looked a little bit like that, so I don't know. Well, one of them is a red herring, maybe. Oh, very good. And red's our color. I love it. So he's got kind of the slick back hair and a big old belt buckle. Dirty Jim. So we're seeing this family all together, and they're kind of all in various shades of red, white, and blue. We're getting hammered pretty hard that this is a typical American family, Texas. Virginia Campbell, we find out, is not just mrs campbell just the wife and mom she is also jim's paralegal at his law firm and she has a hobby which is gambling and there's nothing wrong with that we're gonna move on jim also hired his brother jw she takes the cash in and out of her boob though for a classy lady who suddenly turns into angela from 90 day fiance who packs things in her bra she pulls cash out of her bra gives it to her brother-in-law because they're playing horseshoes and and then she wins the money back, sticks it back in the bra. Oh, you're a class. That you're not going to get on like Real Housewives of fun. Houston with that attitude. Um. Yes, she is. Oh, maybe you, you will. Real actually. Housewives of Houston. She's yeah. gunning for it. That'll yeah. actually be your your intro when you spin around. Uh-huh. You'll be like, I keep more than my boobs in my bra. I think it's more like I gamble in love and in life, but with my family, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Yep. Ah. That mm-hmm. came way too fast. I think I missed I think I was supposed to be a housewife. 
Okay. This should be our new game at the end of every dateline as we figure out what their <gasps> Real Housewives tagline is. I'm in. Okay. Oh, Melissa's going to be so mad, though. I apologize yeah, I in advance. Melissa is going to be Melissa oh, and Rebecca. She can play online. They can play. Yeah. They can play yeah. along. You can play along at home because trust me, mm-hmm. ours are not always going to be good. No. Hashtag a chance for Katie. So um, <laughs> Jim also hired his office space looking brother, JW, who doesn't he doesn't really look like that. It's just kind of at his law firm as junior partner. So, OK, now now we're going to shift into the second thing, which is going to make Kimberly really upset. Um, it's the main course for this family gathering, which is a roast piggy. Um I'm sorry. I did yeah. not kill that pig. I did not write this episode of Blood Relatives. I don't think anyone did because when they were carving it into it, it looked decidedly plastic to me. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that was okay. Um, but we need the pig. And the reason we need the pig is because Brenda has to tell us that the family was riding high on the hog. Mm-hmm. And also that someone at this family feast was about to be skewered. Skewered. So we had to have the pig. So I didn't name the pig. Oh, I did name the pig. I'm sorry. I named the pig King Joffrey, so you'd hate it and you wanted it dead. Great. Oh, I love that. But we do see, unfortunately, a close-up of King Joffrey's face before we move on, which I felt like yeah. is a little gratuitous, right? The whole thing is gratuitous. Okay. And then you see his ribs all yeah, e- they kinda, e- picked of meat. This is a rough... There's um. This is a rough episode for a vegetarian person with an arachnophobic. arachnophobia. Yes. Arachnophobic <laughs> vegetarian um, is I. And yeah. Uh, and anyone else might want to pass on this. Kimberly has to be here because I make her. So the rest of you, I don't know. Just think about it. Maybe just listen to us and don't watch it. But I know that this episode was going to be hard for Kimberly. And I knew that she was going to be really stressed out. And mm. when I think about feeling stressed out, I think about something that can help me, which is CBD. Mm. And CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, as in don't feel stress, don't feel anxiety, don't feel pain. And feels Ooh. is a better way to feel better. Ooh. Feels is a premium CBD that will help to keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free. It's delivered directly to your door. CBD helps naturally reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. And plus, there's no hangover or addiction. Even if this particular episode that we are venturing into makes me honestly never want to sleep again, the fact of the matter is we need sleep and we need good sleep. And I have found that placing a few drops of feels under my tongue before bed helps to calm my racing mind and helps me try to get some quality sleep so I can be ready and fresh for the next day. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose, which is really helpful because it's always good to get a professional when you're trying something new. The Feels customer service team is dedicated and smart and they want to make sure you get the best use of your CBD. Joining the Feels monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Plus, it's delivered right to your door. 
so you can start feeling better today with Feels. Become a member by going to feels.com slash date dateline, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com, com slash date dateline to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash date dateline. Feels good. Feeling Feels good. good. What's the other songs we liked? I'm feeling good from my head to my toes. Head to my shoes. Head to my shoes. (laughs) I feel good. Anyways, back to our episode. Now we get to see we're away from the lake house and the piggy and Orville, maybe. We'll see. We're back at the main residence. I don't feel like Orville is ever going away, at least not in my dreams. Not yet. Um, but it's okay now because he's friendly. So now we see the main residence of the, of the Campbells. It's beautiful. It's this big mansion in a swanky part of town. And now the grandchildren are there. Suddenly there are children. Apparently they weren't invited to the lake house. That's sad. So there are two boys hanging out. Were with they the not o- at the pig roast? I don't think I saw them at the pig roast. I think we're seeing them for the first time. So who, I don't know where they were. Uh, so we meet the grandchildren for the first time now, and they are hanging out with the oldest daughter, who we find out's name is Michelle. She is artsy and the cool aunt. This is relatable content, as I am really, really trying to be a cool aunt. And my family thinks I'm artsy, and I did it in quotes. Yeah, it's artsy is always in quotes. So Michelle, the oldest daughter, is more reserved, but she's liberal, more liberal than the others, and she lives in a, quote, permissive enclave in Austin. Is that the enclave you were talking about? Yes, it was. And I feel like she lives in an art commune, basically. I feel like she lives in a nudist colony. (laughs) I think it's a cult. I think she's part, I think it's either a nudist colony or a cult or both. Nude cult. Anyways, Michelle is making some sort of hand loomed blanket on a giant looming machine i don't know is that what that is what is it it's like a giant wooden she's like weaving or looming she's a loomer okay it's wild she's loomy did we mention she's artsy she's loomy all right but the blanket is red of course so the color continues now we meet the middle sister the middle sister is more practical than michelle who's artsy her name is betty ann And she immediately gets mad at the two grandsons that are playing with these porcelain ponies that they got off a shelf in the living room. They look like toys. I'm not sure why she's mad. They must be precious heirloom ponies. So what are what are the precious heirloom ponies? What's the deal with the ponies? Why do they never come into play again? But they seem like they're really important. Yeah, we're getting it's only been like five minutes into the episode. We've seen them like 10 times, but then they they ride off into the wind. Like stallions do and break your hearts. Wild hearts don't change. (laughs) Wild hearts can be broken. (laughs) Thank you. Anyways, the toys, they make Betty Ann angry that the boys are playing with them. How dare they? And we find out that Betty Ann, they say she stayed close to home and we are in Houston. So Yeah, but we later find out she lives like an hour away, right? No, we later find out she lives in Austin, too. No. Okay. Yes. See, Brenda Strong, you're all over the place. Yeah, I'm and I gonna... find that you are one of the most unreliable narrators. Those are strong words. Since Gone Girl. She doesn't mean but it. But I love you. She doesn't mean it. 
I love you just the same. So now we meet the youngest, and her name is Cindy, and Cindy is daddy's princess. She is outside on a swing, because that's where pretty girls hang out, outside on a swing with big, white, billowy, adorable prairie dresses. How old did you think? Because she looks very young, and she's riding on a swing. I thought she was like- 20? 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought she was like 20, but it, it is confusing, because we find out some information in a minute that make it- well, we find it out right now. Uh, the two boys are hers, Michael and Matthew, the grandchildren, who are not like five and six. No, they're, they're, like, they're like ten. Ten, eight and ten. They're hers. Like, was she ten when she had them? I don't know. No, she. And it's not that she had them young. She had them in her first marriage that didn't yeah, work out. She's already a divorcee. She's like thirty years old, but she and also she looks seventeen. Yes, the actress playing her looks very, very young. But we find out that she has the it factor, according to all the interviews we get, and that she is the sparkly one in the family. I'm sorry, she's other two sisters. Slinky and sexy. Slinky and sexy. Is that what they said? Yes. Which makes me think instead of. A tarantula. Or Orville, it should have been like a snake. Right. Or at least like a salamander or a shiny a, a shiny beetle. A centipede. Eel, centipede. One of those electric eels from that one episode. Yeah. That were in the garage for no reason. Oh, yeah. Reason. I forgot about those. Cent- centipede, though. What do you think? Shiny centipede? Okay. Yeah, get it? Because they're leggy. Yeah, <laughs> the legs for days. I just did leggy. That's centipede. <laughs> yeah. So, so the two grandsons are hers, Michael and Matthew. Uh, they all live. That says they live in Houston. Do they? I thought. No, they do. Sorry. Yeah, I think they do because the grandparents are like helping raise them. Yes, they do. So they all live in Houston and she lives with her boyfriend, David, who is this very handsome gentleman pushing her on a swing in the big white flowy dress. We have different tastes. He's a handsome guy. What? He's not supposed to be handsome? No, I guess he's supposed to be handsome. He had dumb face to me, which I can't abide. So. You know that I'm not looking at these guys very closely, right? I see. Yeah, okay, that's you someone judge during our Patreon, our live event. I did. The dad, the hot stepdad. Oh, yeah. He's not hot. Um, he's super hot. He looks like he could be on a soap opera. I have hot blindness. I have like the opposite <laughs> of. I see that there's an actor there. He is supposed to represent a handsome gentleman. So I just yeah. mark that down. I know. And move I, on. I can see that. Yeah, I can that's see it. That. He's got like but that. I will do a fundraising charity event for mm-hmm. your hot blindness if you do one for my car blindness. I'm fine with Hashtag that. Hashtag find a cure. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. But then we it give the ch- like, then we give um, the money to actual charities, like places that need it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that. Anyways, David is very, very smitten with Cindy. The they had met in college and he is very into physical fitness. That's about all we know. About Wait, David. they met in college, but was she already divorced by the time she went to college? Kimberly, I didn't get that kind of information. Brenda doesn't tell us, nor do the interviewers. They just tell us so where confused. they met and that, that he is kind of into physical fitness. Which is also never explored again. So at this point, after we find out David is David, the maybe possibly handsome boyfriend is into physical fitness, he decides that it's time for Michael, the grandson, or the son, rather, to learn how to chop wood. With a red axe, because it has to be red. And I just said, please don't, because chopping wood is actually really, really difficult to do. But we see that he's handing this child the axe, and we see a very quick cut shot 
to Yeah, that was not him cutting that, that wood. It's no yeah, it's not David and it's not the son Michael, but we need the axe scene because Brenda needs to tell us that David is very anxious to make the cut with Cindy oh. and her family. So now we have a new scene. We see the tail end of Orville. He's just rounding the corner on a very dimly lit table. Uh, he has a meeting on the web, so he, he's busy right now. So we just see him leaving. Oh, the web. I see what you did there. Oh, <laughs> the web. Also, Orville has a big chunky booty. And I feel like that's maybe where his eggs are because it was like bulbous. And I was absolutely revolted. But like Orville is a him. gentleman. Shake it, work he, it. He can't. He is not with child right now. So he could be. Um, I'm not ready for all his jelly. That's all I'm saying. It w- he's a thick boy. B O I. That's fine. He likes that. He likes that about himself. Maybe. Oh, okay. I'm fine with so it. I'm not. Instead of I'm a not top fat hat. shaming a tarantula. I don't do that on this podcast. So this dimly lit table, which is much more important than Orville at this point, appears to be in something of a lair because we are now in the boardroom from The Devil's Apprentice. What's that movie with Keanu Reeves? Where he- oh, I love that movie. What's it called? Devil's Advocate. That's the one. So Jim is in Don't a- Don't see it with your parents, though. Is there nudity? Is there nudity? Okay, that's enough. Really? Let's just say I learned things. Oh, Lord. Okay. While I was in the same room with my parents. So Jim Campbell is in a black suit and a red tie. Ding. And he's in a sitting in a big leather chair in front of a giant yak, maybe? Yak head? I thought it was a buffalo, maybe. Buffalo but, head. Um, it's, a, it's a giant, which, you know, the, the hunting head. on the, But it's massive. This is the scariest sort of office we've seen so far because next to the- It's the most darkly lit for sure. And next to the hunted head, we have what appears to be the wood carving of a goat, which we all know is a symbol for the devil. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. Then we have a lot of candlesticks on the other side with like basically the wax dripping. I mean, it's the whole, the whole thing is like, we're very clearly doing law and possibly worshiping Satan in this room, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to hear from the Satanists again. How many Satanists did you hear from? Three. You did not. Three. Are you lying to me? And they were very nice people. And they said they worship Satan? They educated me about the difference between the Church of Satan and the Satanic Church or something like that. What's the bad one? I cannot remember. Okay, so one of those. I need to get it tattooed on my hand so that I never. This is the one that causes destruction. This is that one. Okay, yeah. This is the bad one, not the okay one. Yeah. So JW is also in this scary room, and he says to Jim, "Like, okay, let's get it done." Something like that. And Jim leans forward and picks up something and slurps it. And I'm like, "What's happening?" I don't know what this is, and I assume he's eating oysters, and instead, he has a giant bowl of clams. That's the yeah, that nastiest really weird. thing it, I've ever... Why the heck is he eating a bowl of clams before whatever meeting is about to happen? So he smells like clams? Barf, right? I don't know the difference between oysters and clams. One is an aphrodisiac. Maybe all that money gets Oyster. No, that's an oyster. A clam is just a weird thing to have a bowl of in Houston. Anything is a weird bowl to have any shellfish. 
yeah, it's weird to have it out right before you're going into a meeting and then to be it's not like an it's not like you have like a bowl of pretzels. Like a clam I've, is a complicated uh, thing to eat. I gathered the board here today for our monthly meeting to discuss our stock options and eat some mollusks. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So why That's what's are, happening? What are the sim- what is it a symbol of? Cuz the clams are there for a reason. Blood relatives, nothing's for nothing. Did Brenda uh, have a line that was supposed to be here about, but Jim better get all his ducks in a row before he starts to clam up or something? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, it's uh, usually indicative of someone who's keeping their mouth shut or someone who's hard on the outside, soft on the inside, like a crab or a snail. Yeah, that makes sense. Then why isn't that our... Okay. Forget it. No we one move like, on. is like that in this episode, though. No, not at all. So anyways, at this point, we see all three daughters are standing outside the office, and they are called into the demonic temple one by one to get a check from Daddy Warbucks. So they all have lives of their own, we're told, but they still get a regular check from Dad. Must be nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's that? I need to call my dad and say, I, where's can my I call stipend? Your dad? I'd like to call your dad. Because I I need someone to call in this situation. And my mom lives with me. So that should tell you everything you need to know. So (laughs) all the sisters, though, this is weird. They get a different amount of money. And Jim keeps the amount a secret. I think this is going to play in much bigger than it does. Let me tell you right now. I have sisters. In under absolutely no circumstance would we not tell each other what the amounts were. It would come out. Mm. There's no way, like regardless of him keeping it a secret, like we would figure it out. And you know, what if he says, don't say anything or you get cut off because he likes a power play. No, you figure out a way to let it slip. No, no. I'd like scrawl the number in the peel of a banana and then give it to the person. And then as the banana ages, the number appears. Let a note fall or accidentally send a text and be like, oops, that was meant for some such and such. My banker, Charles Schwab. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so unfortunately, Jim may not be able to dole out these big checks much longer because the law practice was having some troubles. JW was not very good in the at the actual court settlement part of the practice. He was very good at getting clients in, but not finishing the job he's not a closer these leads are for closers coffee is for closers there you go but jim was better under the gun brenda tells us which i feel like is foreshadowing Mm. right are you goading me (laughs) (laughs) well done but anyways then we're told that the economy was really bad in, in houston at that time and jim's family fortune might be drying up i find this whole thing a little bit weird I don't know why it matters um, because he's a personal injury attorney. They're always going to have work, right? Yeah, that's true. It's not like people have stopped suing. Right. So after a commercial, we finally have the obligatory kitchen scene. I've been waiting the whole time. It comes a little late and it's very short, but it's there. So mom Virginia is in the kitchen making soup with red nail polish. I saw it. We find out that she liked nice things, nice clothes, fine jewelry, and the thought of losing it is enough to make anyone a little crazy. And at this point, this soup that she's making and spinning in the big pot goes from a normal broth with carrots to that creepy, weird filter that's like that grayscale, and we see that there is a dead rat floating. I in thought it was a rat. Okay. The soup. 
It is indeed a rat. So now we have our third animal, fourth animal, fifth animal. How many animals is that? We have um, Orville. This is a bad episode for Kimberly. We have Orville. We have King Joffrey the piggy. We Mm -hmm. have buffalo slash yak. We have Mm -hmm. goat. We have clams. Mm -hmm. And now we have rat. Right? This is frustrating. So they're all over the place. They really are. I mean, I understand. That's Virginia. our motto: blood relatives. We can't pick a theme. Correct. So soup's on, and that's the last of our kitchen shot. It's very, very short because Virginia takes two bowls of rat soup out the door, <laughs> while a red ladle swirls in the pot. Red is very prominent in this episode. This is very strange because the next scene, it's a cut to the two grandsons sitting at a kitchen table, and they're but they aren't getting soup. All no, of a sudden, they are getting... already eaten the soup, Katie. I didn't see the bowls. Is it later in the them, day? She, she took them away. You don't. And now they're having dessert. You were confused too. Don't don't give me that. So they're. I eating... was more confused by plenty of tension simmering with a close up on the soup, which was clearly not simmering. Oh, that was good. I missed that one. Okay, there's it was another like lukewarm. So she had to make soup because of the simmering. You yeah, exactly. this this episode is full of them. Yeah. Um. So they're getting ba- the grandsons are eating berry pie, Michael and Matthew. And unfortunately, we we need to have the pie because okay, we hear how spoiled the boys are. They have more electronics than a department store, whatever that means. And the doting grandparents don't want to deny their grandbabies a quote piece of the pie. Close up on the pie. Close up on the pie with the gradient shift again. And the creepy music. And for a split second, it looks like Michael's slice. He's eating rat pie. Like he's <laughs> eating a bloody pie. Which I was like, we don't have to have the grandson eating the piece. Why don't we have Virginia eating that piece? You know? That's a good point. Meanwhile, the sisters are outside at the pool hanging out. Clothed. Clothed. In sands. Not skinny dipping. Well, they're at a pool, not a lake, Kimberly. You don't skinny dip in a pool. You skinny dip in the creek or in a lake. That's God forbid you would skinny dip in a body of water where there's enough chemicals to kill anything that could hurt you. Cindy gives her sisters her very fancy diamond tennis bracelet to hold while she swims. She says, Daddy gave it to her. And the two sisters exchange looks like, of course, she's the favorite. But Cindy isn't only daddy's favorite she is also orville's favorite because he's back creeping around her stuff again and now he's crawling over her diamond tennis bracelet so before he was crawling over her underoos now he's crawling over her jewelry he's in the market for some blood diamonds apparently okay so now the action starts happening it's a hot june night and it's 4 a.m in the morning the cops are called to the campbell house J.W., the uncle, meets the cops at the door and tells them two dead bodies are up in the master bedroom. They were found by the live-in maid. First time we're hearing about her. Yeah, where's she been this whole time? Also, Orville is there, but he didn't want the cops involved. So the cops go and enter the (laughs) master bedroom. He is clearly hiding something from something he did on another state, and he has crossed state lines and wasn't supposed to. It's obvious. So the cops enter the master bedroom. They find Jim Jim and Virginia Campbell... I'm sorry, did they go by Jimmy and Ginny? Just total <laughs> side note. Shot multiple times lying in their bed. It is a pretty gruesome scene. There was a lot of shots. And it's even more gruesome because wrapped in a red blanket downstairs are the two grandsons. 
apparently they were there for a sleepover, which they did this every weekend. And on Friday and Saturday nights, it was tradition for the boys and the grandparents to watch a movie together in the big master bed. And then the boys would crawl down and sleep wrapped up in a bunch of blankets at the foot of the bed on the floor. It's kind of like camping out. But this morning at 3.30 a.m., the boys are startled awake by gunshots. They buried themselves under the covers, so I think it would look like there was nothing there but a bunch of blankets. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see the shooters. They they basically, whenever the person who shot left the room, the boys jumped up, ran, and got them made. And she thought they were just having a nightmare until she went into the master and sees all the blood. And she immediately calls JW to come over, does not call the cops, question mark, Hmm. maybe something to consider later. So this is a pretty horrific crime. Um, Mm. And it's even more horrifying because the poor boys had to experience this kind of violence. Um, I really hope that they're doing okay now. This is a, this is the hardest part of the episode. It was pretty rough. Um, Also, there's so much blood, like way too much blood on that lampshade. Yeah. Like it's like poured on. It is kind of. Yeah. But Uncle J.W. is there to comfort them, and that's good, but the police think that he's acting kind of weird. He's being sort of emotionless and acting like he's kind of numb, which I- He wants his stapler. But I also feel like that's- his brother was just shot. He's trying to stay strong for these two boys who are obviously incredibly traumatized. I- I feel like he might be one of those people that can kind of put their emotions in a box for a second and then bring them out later. Like yeah, we're maybe. gonna, we're You'd gonna think he'd be a better lawyer in court. Yeah, maybe he's not emotional enough because remember they said that Jim was like mm. passionate and angry, mm-hmm. like a spitfire. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Now we go to commercial and we come back. The forensics team is combing through the murder scene. Both Jim and Virginia were shot three times each, and they were both shot specifically in the head. Jim was shot first and then Virginia, but pretty much simultaneously. Nobody had a chance to escape. Orville at this point is cruising around the scene, and you think for just a split second that the forensic person is going to see him and pick him up? I thought he was going to get tagged and bagged. I did too. It's a fake out. They have a cutaway really quick, and the detective is actually picking up a shell casing. It's a, it's irritating because you yeah. think that they're going to pick up Orville by because like one leg. The creature actually being seen is right. something very rare. That's what I, I thought we were headed for it. I did. It, that has only happened, I think, one other time. But no, Orville remains to be unseen. Yeah, because he's a figment of the imagination. Don't tell him that. Hello, my darling. So the detectives find at the scene shell casings for a 45. Jim, of course, of course he has, he has a giant buffalo head. Of course he has lots of guns, but no 45 in his gun collection. There are also no fingerprints at the scene and no footprints. All they find is this random latex glove, which is in the living room near the front door. There's no forced entry in the house, but there is one open window downstairs that the police think that the murderer used to get in. So that's what we got. We got an open window, no fingerprints, and a latex glove. JW tells detectives he thinks a client may have killed his brother because he was dealing with some pretty hard criminals that might be vengeful. What? What? He's a personal injury attorney. Maybe he didn't get them the settlement he wanted. they wanted? They but they're not blame hard him. criminals. They're people. They with, should like, blame the company where they slipped on pee pee and right. Fell. They're a person with a broken hip. That's not a criminal, 
right? It's I weird. may be misunderstanding what personal injury attorney means. You're definitely not. This is something that I don't know why they're- Maybe I think he they're, had to get some loans to keep his business afloat. Then why didn't they say that? They said he was dealing, they think it was an actual client. I'm just saying I feel like this is sort of a red herring in our red episode, much like mm. several things are, but still. But Orville, at this point, needs a midnight snack. So he crawls along the tea set that the cops and JW are having tea from during their interview. Nobody seems to notice him, but also nobody ever invites Orville to tea. And I want he you to think about that. five sugars and no cream, and people think it's excessive. And he will not remove his hat under any Day circumstances. <laughs> so it turns out that James and Virginia are worth more dead than alive, about $2 million. I don't understand if it's $2 million is what the estate is worth or that's the life insurance policy they had. Nobody ever tells us. I don't know. Yeah, because we later find out they have a lot of properties, which makes me think they're worth a lot more than $2 million. Also, $2 million split three ways is not that much. And not that much for how rich grand we lifestyle are. they have with the live-in maid and and the demon and, and the demon lair. It's not enough in for- In the demon lair. Right. It's not enough for all this stuff. That had the lake house, all this stuff. But they're selling the lake house. So maybe that was because of money troubles. We don't know. It's a little hard to judge. But the cops are thinking, could this money be a big, it could be a big motivation for family members. Speaking of which, we have not seen the three daughters up until now. Like at the crime scene, where are the Campbell sisters? And if I had to guess, I would say probably trying out each other's various red cardigans and trying on each other's makeup. It's one of the best parts of having a sister. Or a brother. Some boys love makeup. Absolutely. Stealing or borrowing, borrowing, we'll call it borrowing, each other's new makeup. And no one knows this better than me because Lord knows no sooner than a box from Thrive Cosmetics arrives at my door and I have two to three items go missing every single time. Without fail. And I get it. But that's Look, your mom, not your sisters. Maybe all of them actually are in it together. We don't know who it is at this point. But it's um, pretty easy to tell why people are taking my Thrive Cosmetics. For those of you out there that don't know, Thrive Cosmetics is flipping amazing. Their products are made with clean, high-performance, skin-loving ingredients. Their clinically proven formulas not only highlight your best features, they actually improve your skin over time. It's shocking. And the best part is Thrive Cosmetics never tests on animals. You get these results by a company that is Leaping Buddy and PETA certified as 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Orville and Joffrey, thank you for that. Thrive Cosmetics makes these high-performance vegan 100% cruelty-free products without the use of parabens, sulfates, or phthalates, so your skin will say, thank you. The Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara is a Thrive Cosmetics bestseller for a reason. It's unbelievable. It has this tubing technology that coats all of your lashes. It is contact wearer safe, and you can remove it with just water. You don't have to use those harsh abrasives on your eyes. It's incredible and stays on all day without smudging. I've never heard the phrase tubing technology before, and now it's my favorite phrase. Tubing technology. It's the coolest thing. It comes off in little tubes. You can see it on the cotton pad. It's really, really cool. My mom, it's her favorite and all be all. She will wear no other mascara. And if she's out, I have to get more. That's the rule. It's just the way things work around here. I would love to have a tube for myself. 
I've had one. She's had seven. So <laughs> tell me if that seems fair. That brilliant eye brightener, though, that's mine. It's a cream to powder highlight, and that brightens and opens the eye. So if you put it in the little corner, like the tear duct, right, right in that corner of your eye, it instantly opens your eye and makes you look more awake. It provides an instant eye lift. Or if you want, you can use the darker shades to create a smoky eye, but, but like a natural smoky eye. It's incredible. Get one and try it for yourself. The Thrive Bright Balance 3-in-1 Cleanser is my daily cleanser. I have been using it for quite a while. I mean, I've gone through a lot of cleansers. Yeah, you're old. You've been around for a while. Well, yeah, and I like to try products, but I also have sensitive skin, as we know. But the Bright Balance 3-in-1 Cleanser leaves your skin feeling really fresh and supple. It, It feels clean, but without that stripped, dry feeling, like where your face feels like too tight in a you know, mm-hmm. when it's slick, mm-hmm. that's not good for, we'll say, aging skin. It's no good. You want to you want to keep it supple. Supple no is the key word here. here. Thrive Cosmetics isn't great just because it makes incredible products. Thrive Cosmetics has a bigger than beauty mission, which means for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Mm. In 2020, some of the causes and communities people who purchased Thrive products helped support were first responders, women experiencing homelessness, women fighting cancer, families facing food insecurity, and racial justice advocacy. They're really a fantastic beauty brand that goes way beyond just being skin deep. They put their money where their perfectly painted mouths are. That's exactly right. So I love everything about Thrive Cosmetics. So does everyone that lives in this house. And their Bigger Than Beauty mission is truly inspiring. It's a company that's doing something for this Mm. world. You're going to love them just as much as I do. Check out thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order. 15% off. It's a deal. Do it. Do it now. This is an exclusive offer only Date with Dateline listeners can have. That's Thrive, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Date Dateline for 15% off your first order. Thrivecosmetics.com slash Date Dateline. Gotta try Thrive. Gotta try Thrive. Ah, stand with Thrive. Because unlike disco, good makeup never goes out of style. Give them a try. Try Thrive. They're the best, guys. Check them out. Now, time for the Campbell sisters to talk to the police. In interrogation room one, we have oldest daughter Michelle, and Michelle is very angry that she or any of her sisters are thought to be involved with this murder. She actually had a really good relationship with her parents, and she was in Austin with a girlfriend the night of the murder. So we can rule out Michelle and her loom. In interrogation (laughs) room two, Betty Ann, the middle sister, tells the cops that she and her husband were having some money troubles, and she did actually recently ask her mom for a mini loan. That's all the information we're given. We don't know an amount. We don't know if they had a good relationship. We know nothing, but she asked for money. But Betty Ann says her and her husband were also in Austin on that night, and they are each other's alibi. This is when we find out that Betty Ann actually lives in Austin. Mm-hmm. Lies. So now we see that apart from just a red folder on the interrogation room table, the detective <sighs> interviewing Betty Ann is also working on a hobby 
<laughs> while he's interviewing suspects. Kimber, <laughs> tell me, tell us what the detective is doing. What's he doing? Okay, so it's time for the detective to whittle away at the middle sister. <laughs> Cut to the detective is literally whittling during the interrogation. He's carving a little wooden figurine as a hobby. Like to keep his hands busy, like a like a um, fidget spinner, but he's whittling. So while he's supposed to be paying attention. Right. Like reading her for body cues and right. like, you know, reading her face for if she's telling the truth or not. No, he's he's making a creepy doll that Danny from The Shining would like. Would it be better if he was like making a flute? I yes, was thinking it about would it. Be. Would it be better if he was making a little? Yes, because like I almost loot? feel like he's making the dead dad. Like he's making something, but it looks like a woman. Is oh, it... so he's making the dead mom. Why is he doing it? Period. Why is he doing it? Is and then they don't even say like. I mean, if this were a Dateline, Keith would be like, he's known as the quirky detective on the team. You know, and then that's like, this is his funny hobby. They're obviously just doing this for the play on words of whittling. It's very strange. I've never seen anything like it. So Cindy, the baby of the family, is in a different interview room. And she's telling her detective that she dropped her sons off the night of the murder. And her and David, her boyfriend, went on a date night. She's kind of tearing up. And the detective hands her a red silk hanky that is focused on, so we have red again. I didn't like that. Give her a Kleenex. Well, silk hanky. What the? You crazy? That's, you're just, you give all suspects your personal snot rags? Well, and also, I mean, is it, is the color fast? That's Red a good dye? Point. I don't know. Red is right. I've never seen Mankey give a hanky to anyone he's interviewing on Dateline, because those are for show only hankies. Those are not for mucus. Yeah, those are fashion squares. But I do think that he probably carries a hanky. Actually, we can we ask him if he's ever given anyone a, a hanky? I'd be curious to know. Yeah, that. let's. Okay. Okay, I'm writing it down. <laughs> so Cindy and David are each other's alibi. Interestingly enough, in this whole thing, it the sisters, if they're worried about one of them being a suspect, Jim didn't make a will. So it's not like there's this big will out there and they're like, oh, I need my cut of the money now. I'm going to kill mom and dad. He's a lawyer He's a and lawyer. he didn't make a will. He's That's a lawyer. Wild. It's very strange. Uh, so at this point, Uncle JW has to step in to deal with the estate. Jim and Virginia were pretty cash poor. So in order for the daughters to get any money, I guess that $2 million is not insurance. I don't know. Uh, mm -mm. JW thinks that they'll need to liquidate the estate and sell off some stuff. And Cindy's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's get it done. But the other two sisters are- Are like, where am I going to skinny dip? I can't right. sell off any more properties. Right. Lake House is already sold. I need this pool. I will need this pool moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, also, why wouldn't one of the sisters move into the house? Maybe the upkeep is yeah. expensive. What happened to the live-in maid? She's just out Where on the street. Where is the maid? Where's Priscilla? It's not right. So she, her and Orville, she like packed him up in his She's box. She's been through uh, intense trauma as well. I know. She's just sitting at the bus stop waiting. Sad. 
So Why oh, is she at the bus stop? I don't know, because that's where she went. She's from the Ukraine, and she doesn't she doesn't have a place to go. So she's sitting, like, in a kerchief at the bus stop, Orville next to her, and his, like, his top hat's a little tarnished. You know, it's got a little spot on it. Was anyone else shipping JW and the housekeeper a little bit? Was Did anyone else recognize the housekeeper as being in a different episode of Blood Relatives? Because she looked mighty familiar to me. Oh, really? I think they may have asked her, like, can you step in? We lost our actress for this. I think she played a bigger part. So anyways, for the daughters to get any money, JW saying, we got to sell the stuff. The older and the middle sister do not want to sell. Cindy, the baby, it wants to have the fire sale. <laughs> We're having a fire, fire sale. sale. <laughs> so Cindy sues JW for her portion of the estate, which I don't know how what she's suing for because there's no money yet. So she's suing yeah. him for a, a half of the house and a half of the pool. I don't get it. I don't know. But also, I'm assuming that Jim and Virginia had cars. If you need cash fast, why don't you sell a few vehicles? That's, you know, $10,000 at least, probably. They oh, yeah, probably drove nice point. cars. I could yeah. see like a Cadillac something. So anyways, the Cindy's kind of on her own wanting the money or apparently needing the money is what it seems like. It also makes her mm -hmm. mighty suspicious. And after but a little bit of time. But she is the mom, so she has kids to think about, whereas the other daughters <gasps> don't. That's true. And she was living rent-free. That's right. They tell us that Cindy was living rent-free in a property that Jim owned. It's like a, a condo complex. So we see he has Unlike lots of like Idris properties. Elba, who's living rent-free in my mind. <laughs> you stole that. What'd you steal I'm, that from? Nothing. It's just an expression. So after a little time, Betty Ann turns on Cindy because she's being litigious and betty ann starts talking to the detectives this is the middle sister she tells them that cindy was actually the problem child not the golden child problem child but wasn't she trying to borrow money from the parents as well yeah it seems a little suspicious that betty ann also betty ann why yeah, is your her name, name is betty, betty ann. ann and your sister is a cynthia and the other sister is a michelle betty ann doesn't fit Right? No, it's like from the It's 50s. a very country She's name. She's obviously named after a relative. So there was even a rumor that Jim and Virginia were going to adopt Cindy's children. Mm. That's the last we hear of that. We don't know if that was true or not. The one detective seems very concerned about all that Betty Ann is telling us because he immediately pulls out his creepy whittling doll and gets <laughs> down. It's like a nervous habit. It's a, Yeah. It's, he's uh, like a genius with a Rubik's Cube. I seriously, it's the weirdest choice by a director I think we've seen. <laughs> it might be one of the weirdest. This to Absolutely. me is part of the reason I chose this episode. So if you had Creepy Doll on your Blood Relatives bingo card, mm. put it, check the box because this is mm -hmm. weird and out of nowhere, seemingly no reason why. Uh, but the detectives do think that it's unlikely Cindy actually committed this crime that she would go into her parents room shoot them in the head with the kids her kids her right kids. at the foot of the bed that makes sense to me so the cops immediately think okay well what about david cindy's boyfriend he could have done the shooting but there's absolutely no evidence that he got any kind of money if he did the shooting he lives in some sort of ramshackle house he doesn't exactly seem to be rolling in cash so who knows so they move off him and they look again at jw 
JW's motivation could have been that maybe he wanted complete control of the brother's law firm. Which makes no sense because they had a good arrangement. He was bringing in the people and he didn't have to try them in court because he wasn't good at it. And they told us that very specifically at the beginning. So this red herring, not so much. He was also at the actual crime scene, though, which they feel like was kind of suspicious. But we know that Priscilla called him. So anyways... The cops send this, their one evidence, their one piece of evidence, that latex love that they found in the living room. They send it to the FBI. The results come back totally negative. No hair, no DNA, nothing can be found on this glove. Good Lord. I didn't, I felt very suspicious about that. I was because like, when did, I wear did gloves, they run it? Did they run it? My hands sweat so much. How is that even possible? Am I just gross? It's also June that this happened in Houston. How is there no sweat inside the glove? Oh, maybe somebody was putting the glove on and that's when it fell. No, that's not what happened. We learned what happened after. Let's come back to that because I'm not explaining myself right and I can't right now, but I think I I might be onto something. So anyways, months go by. There is no hard evidence to tie anyone to this murder and the case goes kind of cold. But the two older sisters, Michelle and Betty Ann, are not letting it go. And they decide to take matters into their own hand. Betty Ann meets with a private investigator, Kim Paris. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not her real name. <laughs> There's no way Kim Paris that, no. Her name is like Shannon McGillicuddy. So they're meeting in this really swanky office with all these windows. There's a one red vase on the table, so we're still with the red. Betty Ann and Michelle both want to go after Cindy. They think she's involved, but they know that she's going to be really hard to crack. So what the private eye comes up with is that maybe they go after David, the boyfriend. David was Cindy's alibi that night, and he is in the perfect position right now to have a lady come into his life and get close to him. I guess that's their way of telling us that he and Cindy are no longer an item, which we didn't know up until this point. No, they say her now ex-boyfriend. Oh, like two sentences before? Yeah. Correct. So we really didn't know. At some point during all this, during the lawsuit or whatever, they break up. Very few relationships can handle a murder, especially a young relationship with the guy who likes to chop wood and that's all we know about him. And two young boys who he's trying to be a father figure to and is allowing them to wield an axe at 10 years old. (laughs) Sure. Um, So Kim Paris sets herself up in a bar as the, quote, sexy sleuth. Oh, she loved this role. She catches his eye. Oh, and we are getting interviews with the actual Kim Paris. I'm sorry. It feels like the name should be pushed together. Uh, she's in a bar where David is and she catches his eye right away. She's very pretty. She looks, you know, she has black hair and light eyes. So him and Kim Paris start getting close right away. She's very good at her job. She kind of knows how to talk to men. She's got that thing, you know, Mm -hmm. that thing that you and I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. The thing that I don't have, you might have it. We we don't know. I definitely don't. It's untested. If I do, it's... Untested. Exactly. So let's test it. Let's see if you've got it. You might you might have the it factor. So he starts talking very openly, very quickly, like right after they meet. And then over at a date with glasses of wine at some backyard fire pit, his, hers, it can't be his because he lives in a ramshackle house. So I don't know what's going on. He starts spilling his guts to Kim Paris. He says he wants to open a bar and... The bar is going to be funded by 
and ex-girlfriend Cindy, whose parents had died. He tells Kim mm. that her parents died in a car crash and she was about to come into some money. Mm. So she automatically knows that, of course, he's lying. And she's thinking, well, he must be hiding something because he's lying about how they died. Or maybe he doesn't want to scare off this new girl by talking about a grisly murder. Yeah, it could be that, too. I'm guessing he's doing more than what she's telling us but she tells him right away on date three look if you're hiding something from me this relationship isn't going to go anywhere you need to be honest with me which i feel like is a very intense statement for a third date i was like are we in a relationship now i, I thought you guys just met at a bar and we're like hanging out there was no talks of exclusivity and she's like first date you're hiding something from me and we have to be honest with each other. We've been through enough. We have to be honest with each. You just met. What's happening? This is what's really weird because I rewound and I was like, "Okay, time must have passed. This must be a month later." And she literally says a few days later. Yeah. He starts first week of meeting. You're hiding something from me. And honesty is the five C's. um, It's actually the five H's. And honesty is all five of them. And I feel like you're not being honest with me. Uh, Any dude would run if someone said that in the first week. Oh, yeah. I think we are underestimating the subtle, sexy sleuth power of Kim Paris, P.I. to the stars. I think she seriously does that thing where it's like she zooms in, never breaks eye contact, and tells you secrets, so she expects you to tell her secrets back. Like, I think she's tricking him. Does that make sense? I hope so, because to me, she's reading as five-stage crazy clinger, and he needs to disassociate. Okay, I don't want to say this, but okay, this is where we are. We're in a situation where one person is a lot more attractive than the other person. So the one person can't believe his good luck that this Mm. sexy sleuth woman is even talking to him. But I thought we decided that he was good looking too. But he does live in a bad apartment, they keep saying. No, I said the actor is. We see the the real person at the end. Yeah, that's a great point. So now you've seen both these people. I feel like he cannot believe his good fortune. Yeah, that's fair. In which case, it's probably too good to be true. And you should go with your instincts there, buddy. But I think also, it seems like what they're trying to say without saying is he's been single for a hot minute. (laughs) So he's kind of out of the game, right? But he snagged Cindy, who was sexy and slinky. Don't forget, she was slinky. Well, again, we're going to see... In a few minutes. A real person is not that. Again, Brenda Strong has lied to us. We've been lied to, but that's this is what's happening in this situation. Um, But yeah, she's making big relationship, capital R statements. But at this point, she thinks that he's going to tell her. She thinks that she's going to be able to get him to spill. She's real good. And she does the right thing now and goes to the Houston PD and tells the detectives what's going on. She thinks that she can get David to confess to being involved in this murder. At this point, we have some unbelievably inappropriate comments about what Kim wears to meet with the detectives, and I was Mm. grumpy, and I won't (laughs) repeat it. I think it could have been said in a better way. Yeah. So... The police are very excited, nonetheless, that Kim Paris thinks that she's going to be able to get this confession out of David, and they ask her if she can wear a wire. And she says, sure. And the actress actually says, yes. So (laughs) she is 
in a red dress in the next scene, all wired up, and her car is also wired. So as her and David are coming back from a romantic dinner, so literally this is like, this seems like the space of a week. It's yeah, so fast. This is date four. Date maybe. four is romantic dinner time. They have some wine, yeah. they schmooze, they talk. She wants him to swear a blood oath that he's being honest with her, which is totally date four appropriate. No, I think what she's doing is I'm not going to get physical with you until you. I know that mm-hmm. you're the real deal and honest with me, which is a very clever way to do this. Yes, it is. They're in the car and she is going to go for it. And she says, you really need to be honest with me if you want me body and soul. That's why I think she's using yeah. her body. It's yeah. it's smart. And he falls for it, completely falls for it and fully admits I killed both of her parents. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is it just because he wants to get some nookie? I think he thinks he's in love with this new woman. I'm so, it's, I think he's easily manipulated by women. This part is I feel kind of bad for him. Also, where is Orville? He's nowhere to be seen. We haven't seen <laughs> no, him we haven't in seen like him 15 in minutes. Minute. It's upsetting. Yeah. We think he's at the bus stop. We don't know. With the housekeeper? Maybe with Priscilla. And so the police... When he confesses, she just like gets out of the car in the reenactment. No, she totally activate. does. She just like, looks at him and like sorry gets out, and then he's like, "Okay." He thinks he scared her off, but it's, he did way worse than that because now the police are here, and she just says he looks so so sad sitting by the car, like, like betrayed, like this girl that he thought was too good for him. Actually, she was is him. man. Yeah. He'll never trust again, which is fine. I mean, fine. It's, it's fine. Okay, that's He'll probably be in jail good anyways. for prison, right? He shouldn't trust. You shouldn't anyways. trust yeah. in prison. But it's, Kim seems genuinely surprised that he's sad, and I'm like, right, because he wasn't in on the joke, Kim. No, <laughs> he, he really liked you, Kim. He thought you were the one. You are underestimating your appeal on men, and I already think you have a healthy respect for your appeal on men. Yeah. But you've just broken this man's heart to get a confession out. But he is a killer, so we shouldn't feel that bad for No, him. but it did make a, it painted a it picture in my head. Yeah, that he was like all dejected. And then we see his picture, and we're like, oh, God, okay. Oh. He's a broken man. So David is charged with first-degree murder. Kim Paris, P.I., solves the case. Good for her. But it's uh, first-degree murder with special circumstances, which I don't remember what that means. Oh, but the one the one investigator says, it was a taped confession. It had him by the nuts. <laughs> he did? It had him by the nuts. Is that the and same the detective s- that does, like, the, the description of what she was wearing, Kim Paris? No, I think it was a different one. Uh, or it may... I don't know. There's one of them that says, you can't be waiting your whole life for someone to throw you a bone. You got to go out there and dig that bone up. I appreciate you writing that down. I did not want to write down any you more quotes went at this point. for it with the bone metaphor. He did. And then grab you by the nuts? Oh, boy. Yeah. This is a boys club detective agency. I would not want to play here. No. No. That's God r- bless all the women that are on that team. Oh. So David is charged first degree murder with special circumstances, which is a crime that carries the death penalty in Texas. So the police tell David, look, the death penalty will be off the table if you flip on Cindy, who is you know, who they really want and who is they know is the mastermind of the whole thing. So David, of course, flips on Cindy. It's as easy as that. He's a broken mm-hmm. man. So he tells... He's in love with Kim now. He's like, Cindy who? He thinks Kim... She's not as slinky as Kim is. I, think I he love thinks a slinky Kim, woman. Kim might come back to me. 
I feel like he's thinking he can win. Yeah, Kim I think back. so. It's yeah. upsetting. So David tells the <laughs> she'll cops, visit me in prison, oh, and God. we can be together. Yeah, she'll send Orville with little notes attached. <laughs> She's taking care of Orville now. So I got you. David tells the detectives that Cindy hated her parents. And so he started to hate them too, like any good boyfriend does. I'm sorry, what's to hate? They're helping you raise your children and paying for your weekly allowance. They make Cindy sound like a real piece of work. They say that Cindy was only out for money, only out for herself. And so if they weren't giving her enough, the money she thought she deserved, that was enough to hate them. She's... She's a bad egg. So on the day of the murder, what happened was Cindy drops off the kids. And while she's there, she asks her mom for money, whatever her mom can spare at the time. So not only on the day that they die that she orchestrated, she also took them for every penny they had in their wallet. She's a, she's a charming lady. So mom goes upstairs. Virginia goes upstairs to get money. Cindy unlocks the downstairs window. I mean, why... Why did this have to be done on the night when the children were sleeping over? I don't know. So she had an alibi because he would, her boyfriend would be her alibi. She must know that they sleep at the foot of the bed. It's diabolical. It's completely diabolical. I think she thought that the cops would think what they thought, which is right. she wouldn't. No be, mom would do that. Right. No mom would do this to her kids. But Cindy doesn't care. Cindy's no. a, a psychopath. So, indeed, that night at 3.30 a.m., her and David return in ski masks. So she's there as well. David goes upstairs to shoot the parents. Cindy stays downstairs. When he comes back downstairs, he, like, passes by her, and she's, like, looking for something on the ground, and she had dropped the dang glove. Hmm. So that's what I was thinking, is that maybe she got stuck downstairs because she was trying to put the gloves on. She goes to that house all the time. If her prints are there, it's fine, right? Yeah, that's true. Obviously, her prints Although are I'm already on the window. I'm assuming they tested that window. That's what I think. When they show her unlocking that window earlier in the day. Right, she's not wearing setup, gloves. She's mm-hmm. not wearing gloves. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming they tested that window. That's weird, like, right? Like, I haven't opened every window in my parents' house. I mean, but I could easily say I live here sometimes. Right. So. So maybe they were just ruling them out because they were there all the time. But they knew it was someone personal, so I don't know. It's a very good point. But maybe that's not enough to go to trial. Maybe they did have that. We just don't hear it, you know? Yeah. The show is not known for its accuracy. Oh, I think there's a lot more to this story, and I would like to know what it is. I may look it up. So Cindy's the one with the glove. That's why I think maybe she never put it on. That's why it didn't have DNA. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Who knows? But why was she there is the better question. Why did she come to the scene of the crime? She didn't need to be there. No. The only thing that's scary is that what if the boys had run downstairs and run into their mother in a ski mask? That's terrible. Because the other option was for them to get up and run out of the room or attack the attacker. What if he a bullet ricocheted and hit the children? This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Okay. This is a terrible thought. Was he supposed to kill the children? I don't think so. Now think about it. She's not in the room. She hears six shots. Is she going to think that he shot both of the parents three times or that he shot multiple people? I feel like he would have confessed to that part because it makes him look good. It makes him look like he had mercy on the children. He would tell the police that, I mean, if that was the plan. He's still not going to get any mercy. But it would make him look better. 
because at least he spared the children. I wonder if that's what he did say. It's crazy. So that's what happened. That's the night of the murder. Cindy is given life in prison for two counts of murder. David also gets life for the part that he played. But worst of all, we find out she's not slinky. Right now, we get the mugshots. This one was shocking. These people they look are this very different than what very, I thought. Why did they have? Why did they go to such lengths to describe her as sexy and slinky? Cindy is forty three. A hard forty three. Easy. What's happening? What What did I, I miss? What did I miss here? This show makes everyone look like a soap opera actress. Yeah, so. it really. I mean, it is very flattering. So, but it, what's funny is like Brenda Strong specifically says how sexy she is. Yeah. Hold on. I'm I'm seeing if I can get a picture of the family. I got to know. Oh. Oh. No, she was pretty. At one point? Yes. Very. Okay, that mugshot is doing her no favors. Yeah. Very, very, very pretty. I wish I had a camera right now. If you if you opened it, look up Cynthia Campbell Ray. So anyways, in the end, it turns out that JW, our biggest red herring of the episode, is actually a very good guy and a very good uncle because he's raising the two boys. He raised them. So maybe he and the housekeeper can adopt those children. Oh, yeah, she was pretty. Right? Yeah, she was pretty. Yeah. She was slinky, I guess. Yeah. Um. So good for JW. I'm impressed with him. I'm happy with him. Also, the children, the other daughters, they didn't want their nephews? Okay, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Michelle is in a cult, maybe. In the, yeah, that's true. The permissive enclave, and Betty Ann was having money travels. And did she have children? We don't know. We don't know. I what didn't even Betty know she Ann had a husband doing. until we learned that she they and don't, her husband were having money. They troubles. don't tell us at the beginning, and he's not at the at the lake house, so we don't know. No, Maybe they're having yeah, money not. troubles and marital troubles. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We we get nothing. But what we do know is what Brenda closes the episode with, which again doesn't make any sense. It says the story of a diabolical daughter and her heartbroken hitman become just another Texas tall tale. The homespun moral always remains the same. Evil deeds are like chickens. They do come home to roost. Kimberly! You, they might have done a mixy matchy and they might have pulled this out of a hat that was meant for an episode with a chicken. Was I right? Um, I was right. It doesn't I've make sense. I've been saying that for multiple episodes, that these got flipped somewhere in the chain. It's all over the map. We have a lot of animals in this episode, but absolutely no chickens and no farm We have animals. a listener, I can't really say, that works for this network and has said that – I can't say what they said. They don't know much, but they – But they know – but they know I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to get that more That was my Aaron Neville. That was great. Oh We've been God. waiting for it. Well, it wasn't worth it. Okay. So. No, it was. It was discussed on our Patreon live feed this month, and she withheld it, and she, say, she let it out for the public. I was waiting for you to population. say, I don't know much. I've been waiting for weeks, and you finally said it at the <laughs> You're very You're like Tony Wonder on Arrested Development. Did he say wonder? Yeah, I'll wait. I have patience when it comes to a joke. I'll, I'll land it. So wait a minute. They don't know much. They may know something. What do you mean? Explain yourself. Oh, oh, I'm going to try to find out more. Do they know that maybe all of the taglines are recorded at the same time? No. They're not? No, but 
I'm still, I'm gently prying out information. It's, I'm doing a dance. Are the dolls on purpose? I'm trying to get there. I haven't even broached the subject of the dolls yet. I'm well, hoping why, maybe they'll reach out to me now really, that I've mentioned them on the podcast. If they reached out, they obviously wanted to talk. But they said, I can't use my name. Something's going on there, you guys. Are they in danger? Maybe. Stop it. it. They're worth not it? in danger. Are they in danger of losing their job? No. But then why can't they say? Are they in a confidentiality agreement? Yeah, I'm sure. But I'll keep trying. I love it. Um, but this was this blood relatives did not disappoint me anyways. Did it disappoint you? No, I loved it. It just terrified you. I'm so sorry. I still don't know what the theme is. But Oh, so the theme was red for filth. That's just only for my drag race fans. Sorry. Have to do it. I and then you. there's um the clams, buffalo. I mean definitely Orville. I mean, but the buffalo appeared once. Like, does that count? Twice. Does the goat? No, that doesn't what? count. That was just for ambiance. What about whittling? Well, what? A, yeah, that. I feel like the clams whittling the the weird little doll. The dolls always mean something, and then maybe the ponies. But the ponies never played again. They're these. See, that's what they're doing now. Is it's just red herring mm-hmm. suspects and red herring symbols. Where it's like you and it's think all this red is herrings, it. but do a million red herrings equal a black pigeon or whatever the opposite no, of a that. red herring is? Black pigeon. <laughs> that sounds like a, a code name. Black pigeon. A black, I'm in black tuna pigeon. fish. What? Yeah, a herring is a fish, right? Yeah, a, it is. No, a black herring. A black trout. Black trout. No, what's opposite red on the color wheel? What Green. about a black whale? You had to do something. That's very different than a red herring. Herring is a smaller fish, so you got to do a big fish. A green whale. Yeah. I don't know. The gambling never came into play either. We're told multiple times that she's a gambler, but I don't- Yeah, that was another red herring. All the money in the boob. Well, yeah. And did she not- Was she losing the family fortune? Is this why it was going down? What's going on? No, they specifically blamed the economy. I'm sorry. I also have to mention that this is a season opener- Wow. This is episode one of season they four. They really set the tone for that season, and the tone is confusion. The tone is what? We'll never know. Someday we'll know, but not this time. Not this week. Maybe next week. We get another one coming so up. So our mystery deep throat, if you know anything, contact oh, us. Oh, yeah. They can be uh, Orange Pigeon. Discovery Island of one. Who are you? The in- Let's just call them the insider. The code breaker. Yeah, the code breaker. That's better. Okay, that's good. Insider's too simple. We had to do something with some flair. Come on. Okay. The Codebreaker sounds like a movie starring Denzel Washington. Well, The Insider is a movie. So we ha- let's go with The Codebreaker. <laughs> so okay. we're not infringing on copyright. Oh, I'm okay. so excited. I hope that they can give us something to go on here because we're really disconnected now. Now that the chickens have come home to roost. What's that? What? I don't even... Seriously, did that throw you as much as it threw me i was like what are you talking about brenda we have no chickens i already had a piece of my pie and my tensions were simmering so i had a lot of emotions going on i don't get it we'll never know no but i am gonna go skinny dipping right now (laughs) good that sounds great it's thousand degrees that sounds with some family members at a family reunion hi bob and joni have fun. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Orville, for not scarring me too badly. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> well, then Hello, he wears suspenders. Yeah, uh, yeah, and a bow tie. Tap shoes. Okay. Tap. Okay. Eight tap shoes. I got it.
What's the deal? I used to love. That's a movie we should have that aged well do. Oh, yeah. That used to be one of my favorite movies. Or Danny. Did you ever see Danny? No. Oh, the movie with the horse? No. I only know Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, and she tur- she was blind, and she was a horse jumper. Oh, I didn't into see Into water. I didn't see that. What? No, oh, I was too busy watching some weird movie called Danny, which no one's ever heard of. <laughs> no one's ever heard of Danny. Yeah, Google Danny. See if anything comes up. Okay. So Danny, horse movie. See what happens. Okay. <laughs> so it's going to be something real sad, I guarantee it, if I was into it. <laughs> It'll be like when Whoopi and Billy Crystal did... You what what they do? I have no idea what they, you're talking about. Every year they did this for homelessness. They did like comedy thing, which is hilarious because we are no Whoopi Goldberg and Billy Crystal. Wow, are we not? I can't believe yeah. you're even bringing it up. That just makes us yeah. look terrible. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. I'm embarrassed. I knew as I was saying. Oh no. 